0: WMQA Hello and welcome to WMQA. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And welcome to another Three Amigo special. We're talking about some of our favorite books of twenty twenty and the ones we're looking forward to in twenty twenty one. And we can't do that without our very special all-time favorite guest. Please welcome back to the show. Drum roll, please, Mr. Rob Lynch.
1: Hello, hello. Happy New Year.
2: All right. Yeah, yeah. No, this is our first recording session of uh, 2021. Feels good. Feels good. Um, we made it. <laughs> mm. Now we just got to vaccinate it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we uh, figured, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd get, bring the band back together and uh, talk about faves, talk about what we're looking forward to uh, next. Um, so I thought we'd each kind of just come and, and, and go back to our sort of traditional format and, and talk about three books that we love this year. But uh, I figured we'd start off with some honorable mentions. Um, Matt, you've got a few.
0: I do indeed. Uh, so let's start out with a, a, an event book, uh, DC's Dark Knight's Death Metal. You're going to have to sell me on this one, man. Listen, <laughs> is this great, deep, philosophical comics? Hell no. Is this thing the medliest metal that has ever meddled in the pages of comics? Yes. It's big. It's crazy. It's dumb. (laughs) It is the exact kind of thing where you can turn your brain off and go with it. But there's also this little kernel at the heart of it where... Scott Snyder is constantly giving mostly Wonder Woman, because this is a Wonder Woman story, hmm. these speeches about hope that you know, in the depths of 2020, I think we all need somebody to remind <laughs> us that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and Wonder Woman, goddess of truth, she she's there for it. You know, yeah, I, I mean, I could do without more of the Batman who laughs slash the darkest night, but Wonder Woman with the invisible chainsaw of truth, and both a Batman and a Superman who are dying or dead and are going to you know this is their ride off into the sunset. Plus, it's got you know undead cowboy Jonah Hex. Uh, you know me, I love me some Jonah Hex. True. <laughs> it's it's you know it's just balls out crazy and (laughs) that's fun every now and then i mean i like a a deep you know meditative comic about something but this is just like you know what i want i want a an alternate universe where batman's a t-rex and (laughs) we're gonna have batman as a (laughs) t-rex what
2: about a a batman who is the band t-rex oh i could go for that
0: Or a Batman whose spirit has actually embedded itself in Gotham City, or all it's 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 full of crazy ideas, and it's it's fun. It's it, and every now and then that's sort of worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if you go to the other end of the spectrum on that, you've got uh, Cy Spurrier's uh, John Constantine Hellblazer, Mm -hmm. which is the Darkest Constantine We've gotten Since you know Vertigo I mean John In the DCU Since he kind of moved over There at the end of Vertigo and right before The New 52 is still An SOB but he's Kind of a rascal Okay uh, But this is The John Constantine of old And it's the spiritual successor to the original Jamie Delano Hellblazer, which was very, very punk rock, (laughs) anti-Thatcher, angry 80s. And Spurrier's Hellblazer is that for the era of Boris Johnson. It's very much fuck Brexit, fuck the upper class, you know, let's show them what we're really about. And in the end, there's a lot of character work with Constantine as well, but it's just a return to the horror and not the superhero horror that we've mostly gotten, but like the vertigo horror, uh, Two more. Uh, One is now the second manga that I am reading on a regular basis. This makes honorable mentions just because it doesn't quite make my top three, but also since it's a manga brought over to the US, I don't know actually if it's really from 2020 or not. Mm -hmm. uh, And is a similar theme to that Hellblazer run. Uh, This is Moriarty the Patriot. Uh, It's clearly Sherlock Holmes' pastiche, uh, but it's the origin of Professor Moriarty, uh, who is, you know, manga pretty in this. Uh, And it establishes Moriarty not as, uh, you know, the Napoleon of crime, this sort of avaricious spider, but instead as a figure fighting the upper crust, trying to bring down the British class system. And it's interesting, only one volume of the manga was released in English in 2021. Uh, Volume two is due out this Wednesday as we record. So it will have come out last Wednesday by the time you all hear this. Uh, But the anime has been out and has apparently, this is one of these things that I thought I was going to be like, oh, this is neat and nobody else is going to read this. (laughs) But apparently the anime has been getting some you know buzz mostly because you know very pretty moriarty very pretty sherlock holmes you know flirting it's it's you know it's anime and manga at uh doing that thing that it does that american comics don't right Uh, and my final uh is one that i'm mentioning mostly because it was great but also because rob is here uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Too long a sacrifice. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The four-issue miniseries from IDW, set in season six, probably because Jadzia Dax is still there, so we're not into season seven yet. Mm-hmm. But the Dominion War is well underway, and it's a murder mystery on Deep Space Nine. But it felt like an episode of the show. It it got all the character beats just right. It had a great role for Garrick, my favorite Star Trek character. Uh, Some great Odo, who was just always phenomenal. And, you know, a a tribute to the late, great René Auberjonois there. And it was just some of the best Star Trek comics I've read in a while.
1: I strongly, strongly agree with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, good Star Trek is, you know, entertaining, great Star Trek evokes and it makes you think and it makes you feel. And this definitely did, you know, especially, you know, the, the whole idea, like the scars of the occupation, just how deep they run against the backdrop of a new occupation happening on Beta Z. And that can go to much deeper, you know, we'll do that another time, but it, it was I wanted, really excellent.
0: Yeah. I wanted to main, mention this series <laughs> because I did not get as much press as most licensed comics don't but it was a really solid series. Those are my honorable mentions.
2: All right. Well, I got a a few. Uh, I got three. I figured I'd I'd point out. I think I had more. I deleted my list at some point. That was dumb of me. Um, (laughs) But anyway, this one's recency bias, and I think that's why it's getting honorable mention and not a top book. Because only one issue has come out, but I I love the one issue. Uh, Homesick Pilots from uh, Dan Waters and Casper Wingard over at Image. Um, it is it is beautifully colored. It is set in the 90s with a bunch of teen gutter punks, uh, one of whom uh, basically becomes a mech pilot for a haunted house and has to go around reclaiming uh, the ghosts of said house that are embedded in in objects that have been taken from it over the years. Um, the The character work was fantastic. It was it was fun as hell um, and again, it's it's like this crazy mix of Sentai, which is isn't, isn't even like a, a, a kind of fiction that I'm into, and and haunted house horror, also not a kind of fiction that I've ever been <laughs> into. but together meshing well and with sort of like that that like '90s music youth culture, uh, you know, at its heart, it, it's 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 hitting it, it hits those buttons man uh it's it's fantastic and i can't wait for more issues of that uh in in 2020 uh i reviewed the first issue over at comics F with forrest hollingsworth so uh definitely go check that out uh, also on my list the bowie uh bio comic uh, graphic mm-hmm. novel that came out way back in the beginning of the year that was uh mike allred steve horton uh the whole allred family uh That was beautiful you could tell that that was a passion project for michael Allred. and in fact you know the back matter obviously is is pretty explicit about that but just the way that it it kind of cherry picks and goes through specifically you know the rise and fall of ziggy stardust but it, it still hits on so many of these little moments from bowie's life like oh here's a random moment where he interacted with like mick jagger or rod stewart or whatever um just just fascinating and and again beautiful to look at uh so def, definite shout out to that and then uh, my other honorable mention is going to be uh wicked things from uh john allison uh max sarin whitney coger uh over at boomstead studios uh this was sort of team giant days coming back from war with a recurring character of john allison's uh uh, formerly team detective, uh, Charlotte Grote. Uh, yes, uh, she has my <laughs> st- my last name. We're not related. And, but it's one of the reasons she's on the list. <laughs> um, she goes to this, uh, team detective award ceremony and is framed for the murder of another detective. Uh, and to, uh, Prove her, prove her innocence and sort of work off the, the the allegations. She ends up helping the police solve a bunch of crimes and also making friends with other people who are sort of on house detention in this apartment building, and it's it's just a lot of fun, uh, you know. And you can say that about a lot of John Allison, and I certainly have. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a latecomer to Giant Days uh, as a whole. Uh, I also read his uh, Steeple, which I think is from last year
0: yeah end of last year well
2: i guess everything's from last year at this point but <laughs> right.
0: end of 19 i think issue five four i think either just five or four and five might have come out at the beginning of 20 was but a lot of leads was, together yeah but it was it, at least more than half of it came out in 2019
2: yeah but uh, you know the, the, that 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 book was just it was a lot of fun and you know i like those little books that are almost like they're treats you, you know what I mean? Like, you're, there's your meat and potatoes, your, your, your superhero comics, your, I don't know, saga, uh, you know, required reading or whatever. But then you can have a, a little Wicked Things as a treat.
0: <laughs> Sorry, just one other thing that you just reminded me of that I do have to call out. Uh, the End of Lumberjanes was this year. It was. Uh, also from Boom Studios, from Boombox. Mm-hmm. And that's a great book that went out on a high note. And I look forward to seeing what else comes, because they've said there'll be more tales from that universe.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, uh, you mentioned the Bowie book, which was phenomenal. This was a good year for somewhat more mainstream bio nonfiction-y comics, because Mm. we also had the Scioli Kirby biography. Number two. And there'll be two... (laughs) <laughs> more books on some of our lists coming up that also fit into that genre.
2: There's also, there's a whole publisher that basically all, does exclusively like music themed comics. Like Z2 is basically they're like bread and butter and they're doing stuff with like gorillas and and, and all these other acts. So there's, there's a definite like whole shove job. There was that Charlie Parker book that came out yeah. just recently chasing the bird. So yeah, no, good, good time for, for the, the marriage of, of music and comics. Um, Rob, you got any
1: honorable menchos before we uh, burst into the main course? Really, the only thing that uh, I, I left off my, when I was doing my top three that almost made it was uh, Money Shot, which I thought was you know a nice satire of uh, modern reality TV, mm-hmm. some nice uh, political satire, uh, some good sci-fi pulp. And of course, it's kinky as hell. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Yet done tastefully.
1: There true, there yeah, are yeah.
0: Right, I mean, this isn't Tarot Witch of the Black Rose. <laughs> but what is? <laughs> true. Very true.
1: Uh and the, I'll, ta- the tasteful porn comic <laughs> <laughs> And I'll yield uh one of my other choices I know one of you guys has, so I'll I'll yield to that and maybe add a little bit of commentary tack on the end. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh, let's let's get into our uh, our top three then. Uh, you know, uh, we'll uh, we'll sort of snake through here. Uh, you know, one each around and around, the usual way. Uh, since you went last in the honorable mentions, Rob, why don't you uh,
1: give us your first uh, pick? All right, going first. Uh, this might be a little bit of a left. What choices do I make? Aren't ever left field. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Why
0: we love from, you, Rob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> from uh, Fantagraphics, uh, Toy Box Americana, Characters Met Along the Way by Tim Lane. Uh, what we have here is a collection of observations and brief character studies that are all tied to a particular moment in time and location that Tim was at, you know, presented uh, is what he calls illustrated vignettes. Now, the locations, they're mostly in and around the St. Louis area. There are some that are in New York, or uh, New York, some on the West Coast. Range anywhere from dive bars to oyster bars to rock clubs to strip clubs. All little pieces of slice-of-life stories. Um, conjures a little bit of Harvey Picar. It's a uh, less grumpy everyman, more like a curious fly on the wall. Um, it's obvious how present he is at each of these moments and just how observant and how he takes everything in during his travels. I and mean, he documents it so vividly and with such great offbeat humor. And he does it without necessarily being purple or pompous. Um, it could be anywhere from, you know, at a punk rock show, uh, buy the $6 DVD bin at Walmart or my favorite one, uh, it was a live nude model uh, sketch night at Body Works. Do you remember that, Dan, with the, the, the plastinates,
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah with, with the preserved corpses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a live nude sketch mo- night with a model next to the plastinates and <laughs> It's just, you know, him observing it. And <laughs> um, I love the artwork in the, in, in the presentation. It varies from like classic storybook Americana to 50s EC crime comics to like a pop art novelty catalog approach, something like you would see in like Mad Magazine back in the 60s and 70s. Um, He finds a lot of like, like sweetness, beauty, and humor in the absurd. Now, I really picked this because it's a good book in any year, but you know, this last one in particular, you know, we were also separated by, I mean, not only our loved ones, our friends and everything, but really separated from everybody and I think it's healthy to be exposed to strangers you know from from people that are from like every walk of life and believe me and he really covers people from like every (laughs) imaginable I mean imagine like late 70s Tom Waits like that kind of Mm -hmm. (laughs) character Um, it adds to your own heart and character I think and it adds to your own experience I mean I think it builds tolerance I think it builds empathy and understanding of others um it was it was good for the soul i thought it was just it was the right book for the right year (laughs) okay matt why don't you go ahead and go next
0: sure uh i'm gonna start out with one of the kind of obvious easy ones for me because if you've read anything that I've written, judging by metrics, the thing you probably have read is one of my paeans to the team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And this year, they released two original graphic novels, uh, Reckless, which was fun and a really good book. But earlier in the year, they released Pulp, which was one of my favorites of their work. It actually might fall second only to The Fade Out. Yeah, The Fade Out remains sort of the gold standard for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pulp and their original sort of long-form team-up, Sleeper, Mm -hmm. are are two and three, depending on which way the wind is blowing. (laughs) Uh, But Pulp is the story of Max Winter, Max is a writer of Western pulps back in the late 30s uh, what we learn fairly quickly in the book is his Westerns are based not terribly loosely on his own exploits as an outlaw in the Wild West because you know people think of the Wild West as this you know long long time ago but you could have had someone alive in the late 19th 30s who was an active participant in those cowboy days and Max is now getting up there and he's married to a younger woman not a you know younger woman in that noir sense but just a woman who is somewhat younger than him and he doesn't want to leave her with nothing and he's had while attempting to stop a couple of members of the local bunt, the uh, Nazi sympathizers in New York from beating up a Jewish kid. He has a heart attack. And he decides that he's going to pull one final score. And is quickly stopped from pulling that one final score by one of the Pinkerton detectives who used to chase him back in the day, who tells him that he's got a better final score. He's gonna, they're going to rob the Bund. They're going to take all this money they are planning to send over to Germany to support Hitler. And so Max is in. But the whole caper goes kind of pear-shaped when Max learns that this isn't exactly what he was promised. And things get dark by the end. Uh, we wind up with uh, a couple of scenes that are much more taxi driver than 1930s pulp. But uh, I mean, first I guess you get see a bunch of Nazis get shot, and I am, you know,
2: that is never not satisfying.
0: Exactly, <laughs> never. It, it's not. But at the same time, the the sort of core of the book is partially about, you know, monsters, the monsters around us, the monsters we are. And Max thinking that sometimes you've got to be a monster to stop a monster. It's, I mean, the Phillips father and son, Sean and Jacob, uh, Sean on pencils and inks and letters and uh, Jacob on colors. And they're Working at the top of their game in this book. It's gorgeous. It's a phenomenal, you know, single sitting graphic novel where you sit down, you can read it in one sitting, and you will come away with something from this book. So, yep, I'm I'm just going with the the easy one right out of the gate with a little Brubaker and Phillips, and now Dan, you're up.
2: Real quick, uh, I just want to say I read Reckless the other the other week, and I I think if this is like the direction they're heading, because that's going to be like a series of graphic novels going forward, uh, I have officially become my dad because I read it and I was thinking of like it it felt like like the kind of like Clive Cussler James Patterson. Uh, T- you know john grisham books that my da- like novels my mom would always tell me to get my dad for christmas like this is it now it's that that same you know tone and and style and and character work but with
0: pictures uh, uh, spencer <laughs> robert b parker spencer which is my dad's jam it, it made me think i mean i bought my dad the fate as the first time i've ever bought him a graphic novel because my dad loves old Hollywood. But this was like, you know, I, I thought this was like, my dad can get behind this. This is has that <laughs> that that vibe. This yeah. this is a this is a dad comic.
2: Burned out Vietnam veterans solving crimes in a in an abandoned movie theater. <laughs> I almost set a van down by the river. Go to that. One of those metal trailers, you know, that loners in, in movies always live in. <laughs> or maybe I'm just thinking of MacGruber. I don't know. Anyway. That's the kind of character you would
1: see in Toy Box Americana, too, right there. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. ah, uh, so my first pick, I'm going to go with a book that... I, I I have spent all year trumpeting on this podcast, so might as well just knock it out right away. Uh, Undone by Blood or the Shadow of a Wanted Man by Zach Thompson, Lonnie Nadler, Sammy Cavella, Jason Wardy, and Hassan Eltzman-Elhow. Uh, you got to put the whole team in there because they're all doing phenomenal work. <laughs> um, so it's a, it's a revenge Western, and but it's set in 1970. Uh, it's about this uh, young woman, Ethel Grady Lane, who returns to uh, this town in Arizona, which is where these uh, angel dust dealers killed her parents and younger brother uh, while she was forced to watch uh, in in a motel room. And so she gets all her ideas about how to get these guys from an old pulp Western uh, character named Solomon Eaton. And so you get this dual narrative of Ethel uh, going around town trying to play like rogue detective to track these guys down. And then Solomon Eaton in the Old West uh, trying to save his son from uh, uh, rustlers, varmints, you know, those types. And um, the th- the thing about Ethel that's great is, you know, she's angry. She's going to get hers, but she doesn't know what she's doing. She is in over her head. You know, she makes mistakes. She gets her ass handed to her. But in the end, she, ge- she gets what she wants. Uh, and it's just it's great to watch. And it's, it's like that kind of revenge that even though all revenge, you know, ultimately leaves you hollow is still in the moment. Very satisfying. Um, the third issue, she goes to a party trying to track people down that ends up uh, uh, taking LSD. And uh. a lot of the issue is her like hallucinating. And that's where um, Sammy and, and Jason, who also worked together on Abbott, another great book, uh, that's where they really, sh- you know, shine. Cause then everything starts getting all, all trippy and, and uh, colorful and stuff. But uh, the whole series is, is fantastic. Um, they're doing a sequel. They might be doing a TV show. Uh, and, and every bit of that is, uh, is earned. All right. Uh, let's, let's,
1: let's go to round two. What you got next just there, Rob? Just to Will. tack on to, uh, on, no, uh, just to un, uh, on, on undone real quick. I you know, yeah. forget all that Klingon nonsense about cold dishes. Revenge uh, is messy business, and I don't think anything captures it as brilliantly. Um, the only other thing I can think of, uh, great film that would work as a companion piece, it was a piece of Delaware noir called Blue Ruin that came out a few years ago, which deals with that same idea that mess. It, it just how revenge, you know, just how messy and bloody it really can be. And the other thing that I really loved about it was that early 70s proto punk feel to it, you know, between, you know, the the Iggy shirts and the MC5 shirts and everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if this does go to television, I think it would be a big missed opportunity if All Tomorrow's Parties is not featured somehow, either as the theme song or. There's potential for some fantastic needle drops. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I mean, this should be. It should feel like the Noah Hawley Fargo, with each of those periods, each of those seasons in their period feel of their period with Mm -hmm. the music and the costuming and how hard they try to stick to that. Undone by Blood is a book that would have made my list if it didn't make yours, because (laughs) it is, it's a phenomenal comic.
1: It was up there for you're, me, you're, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, And frankly, it just would have been weird to have it on the same list as Pulp, which is another Western <laughs> with a contemporary story and a touch of bloody revenge mixed in as well.
2: Listen, it's a good year for it. You know, it, multiple people can do it well. There was also that <laughs> Texas Blood. You know, it, nothing, nothing wrong with with multiple Absolutely, westerns. that's yeah. how the fifties worked. Um, hey, uh, <laughs> I to to, uh, I'm sorry, I'm holding Rob up now, but Delaware Noir is a thing. It, it is set in Delaware.
1: It is noir set in Delaware. <laughs> My God. Now, yes. I'm just, now I'm just picturing Joe Biden out solving
0: <laughs> <murder>. <laughs> I could go for that.
2: I would watch that show. I would
0: watch that show. <laughs> watch that show.
2: <laughs> but, but anyway, Rob, your next pick.
1: <laughs> All right, so choice number two. I'm going to go back into, into that uh, rockumentary riff that we were just talking about uh, a few minutes back um, from IDW. Redbone, the true story of a Native American rock band. Um, Really fantastical bit of, uh, it's a conversational telling of everything from like the band's early years, jamming with uh, The Doors and Jimi Hendrix, who actually donated the name of the band, which is Cajun slang for a mixed race person with Native blood. Um, It's almost told in the same style that uh, John Holstrom did in like the early punk, magazine back in like the late 70s. You know, his interviews with Lou Reed and Mm -hmm. Patti Smith Um, and everything from them uh, signing a record deal with a a label that was apprehensive about them being very obviously and openly native. Um, you have one page that details the writing of a protest song like Alcatraz. And then the next page, you'll have uh, like wacky rock and roll shenanigans in Germany and then, you know, playing a show in a Philly prison and then playing for Queen Elizabeth. One of the big uh, sayings that really kind of sticks out is we really did play for all kinds of people. Now, the most interesting thing about the book is uh, punctuated throughout like almost every other chapter are these harrowing experiences of like the Native American experience, you know, going from like the state and sponsored uh, Christian schools that were designed to quote, kill the Indian, save the man. And some of like just horrible atrocities, just the most inhuman things that you can think of, you know, that you can do to children. Um, To the formation of AIM, the American Indian Movement, and their involvement with that, with the the protest. Um, I love how it's punctuated like that, where it is educational and it is very entertaining. I mean, there is a lot of like, you know, the rock and roll anecdotes. I mean, it's a joy to read. I love the presentation of it. Um, it's gorgeous. It's uh, from art by, I'm going to probably murder this name, but uh, Tibble Balahy. It's a very uh, like Silver Age meets pop underground style. It evokes perfectly, you know, that, that, that 60s and 70s era. Um, really the big thing about this book is, uh, first of all, I knew really nothing of the band outside of, you know, the one big hit, uh, mm-hmm. Come and Get Your Love which is dealt with one page in the entire book. And it's not, there's no shame. There's no, it's, we had a hit, people liked our song. It was great. You know, we, we, thank you, James Gunn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was like a piece of like unknown, untold rock and roll history. I mean, we all know about like Ozzy snorting ants, you know, Phil Spector recording the Ramones at gunpoint. You know, here's something like completely different. And I think that's beautiful. And I think it also inspires you to seek out the other records of Redbone. There's some really good music there. Mm-hmm. Um, as a fan of this, you know, the the, the Bowie book. Um, I like the uh, the Paul is dead. Yeah, I loved, I loved uh, the rock and roll comics back in uh, the late '80s, early '90s. I mean, I think one of my last big uh, dollar bin diving. Uh, i actually found a sex pistols issue which was <laughs> kind of a, a nice little find um i'd like to see more rock bios of more like left field type artists that we don't really know a lot about people like screaming jay hawkins sunra joe Brieth, nina hagen sparks klaus snowme i mean you know like you said earlier about you know this is a great time and a great you know you know scene to be uh you know looking at you know rock biographies and everything i mean there there's really a great opportunity to expand and to learn yeah. about you know lesser told histories so and i I guess you know speaking as somebody of you know native descent myself it was just it was great to see Native Americans portrayed in comics i mean that also ties into the marvel indigenous voices you know mm-hmm. it was just it was a great thing to see you know presented in a way that's respectful you know that you know. For people, yeah. <laughs> definitely.
0: This is left field. This is a tangent, but we welcome tangents, and I'm going to go on one. Um, if you're if, Rob, this is one that might just because of your interests in music and such that might appeal to you. And you know, theaters are shut down, so Lord knows, sadly, when this play will start showing up again but there was a play that was starting to get some real notices shortly before everything shut down it was starting to pop up uh popped up in california and got really good notes and there was some talk of it coming to new york uh, called cambodian rock band apparently Ooh. in cambodia shortly before the rise of the khmer rouge there was a big surf rock scene And the Khmer Rouge came up and they were, you know, they wiped out all the intellectuals and all the artists. But this is uh, based on a true story about someone, I believe, and God, if I'm wrong, I apologize to the creators of Cambodian Rock Band, um, about someone who survived because one of the, the intendants at one of the camps wanted to learn music. So the guy survived by teaching the guard, the, the the head of the camp music. Oh wow. And it's his the the play flashes around from the present with this guy's daughter, they've made it to the States, finding out about her father's past and scenes set in and around the his time in Cambodia. And it's I mean, it's got a lot of the the original music, the stuff in Tagalog, uh featured the, the dialogue is all in English but the mm. music is the original music mm. and it was it, it there was talk that this could be something that was really big and then it's like and eh, now there's no theater for the next year and Aww. a half but we everyone's kind of it was one of these things that I think knock would when theaters start opening up again that the talk of an off-Broadway or even a Broadway run might happen still Mm -hmm. but it just it's you're talking about it's like that's something that's just interesting enough and just you know cambodian surf rock that i can see rob (laughs) having a vinyl album of cambodian surf rock
1: i mean listen you know rock and roll is a language of freedom i mean in all four corners of the world i mean that that's just that that's wonderful and that sounds like a a deep dive i would definitely happily take (laughs) but what color is the album that's a good question (laughs) oh important (sighs)
2: It is. Um, All right, Matt, your next pick.
0: Okay, my next pick, I'm actually going in for a creator because this is a creator who was somebody who he'd been doing regular, you know, work regularly for a bunch of years now. And 2020, he went from, you know, a strong stringer to a major name. And that's James Tiny in the fourth. Uh, and I'm not even necessarily talking about his DC work. I mean, I've been reviewing his Batman for a while now, which thanks to a lot in a lot of ways due to art has been sort of hit or miss. And his Justice League dark has been fine, but his work outside of the big two this year has been stellar. Uh, I mean, he, we had a full year's worth of his horror book with, were there Deladra? Deladra, yes. Something is
2: killing the children.
0: Something uh, is killing, yes. Something is killing the children. A really creepy horror book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was started in 2019. Uh, we had Razorblades, his uh, anthology that he's editing with Steve Fox, uh, published outside of the normal model, gone, done through their website. And it's. A horror anthology in the the style of taboo so it's it's really interesting it's it's a mixture of (sighs) comics and prose and interviews and it's some really good stuff uh but then he had two other books uh that are even more amazing uh we'll start with one that is completely different from now and now for something completely different Uh, (laughs) wind from boom studios. A wind is an all ages uh, fantasy queer romance book set in a city where magic has been encroaching on this world. And this is the city where they are killing anything magical. And it's the story of Wind, who's a young man who is magic. He ha- he has features that are elven. And he was found and sort of adopted and has been kept, you know, with his head covered so people don't see his pointy ears and things. Uh, and he, the, the queer analogies to it are very clear uh, with, you know, conservatism, conservatism, wiping out anything that is different but he also is he's gay and he's in love with the 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 gardener the 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 son of the gardener at the royal palace and the who's the one friend of the 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 prince and it becomes this whole thing where wind the gardener's boy the prince and wind's adoptive sister wind up on this adventure being Uh, pursued by the bandaged man the sort of inquisitor figure Uh, it's fun fantasy smartly written beautifully drawn it's a it's a really really good series and i'm a dunce who forgot to write down the artist's name ah michael dialinis there we Mm go now now i feel i feel better because i need to give (laughs) him credit as well because as I am guilty of as many people are uh, I'm a a writer I follow writers more than artists and I have a bad habit of saying oh right the art is really great (laughs) and not crediting the artist so I am absolutely going to do that for this and for his final ongoing yes he's written that many comics this year the department of truth Mm mm-hmm The Department of Truth is with art by Martin Simmons who also had a good year as he drew Dying is Easy with Joe Hill at IDW uh, which is another fun book and probably should have made honorable mentions. It's about a stand-up comedian who's a former cop who has to exonerate himself from murder in the stand-up scene of the 80s. Fun book. Um, But Department of Truth is not a fun book. Department of Truth is incredibly dark but it's brilliant and is every day when you read the news, Department of Truth seems a little more eerily prescient and a little more like we need this in real life because the Department of Truth is a government organization that is there to stamp out conspiracy theories. Because the basic conceit is, if enough people believe one of these stupid theories, it becomes real. And so you have this government organization led by director Lee Harvey Oswald, (laughs) who are there to quash these conspiracy theories. Issue one deals with flat earth. Issue two with the satanic panic of the eighties. Issue three, is crisis actors and the just released issue four takes all of these crazy QAnon deep state theories and builds them into a secret history of America that this mysterious organization, the the department of truth sort of opposite number who are trying to make these things real are trying to get out into the press it's a, a brilliant book for how well it's written Simmons art is I mean this is a guy who is Sienkiewicz in mm-hmm. his work mm-hmm. this is not you know clean grids this is all over the place panels and the, the mysterious woman in red with pentagrams for eyes that don't live in her eyes, but stretch over the, the, the space of her eyes. And all of this, it, it's, it's powerful. The, the crisis actors issue, issue three, is painful to read. In the, without, it, it's not exploitative. But it's the story of a woman whose son was killed in a, um, a, a, a school shooting who people are saying that she's a crisis actor. And after a while, she starts to believe it herself. And it, it's, it's about what this kind of thing can do to you. To a person. And it's why that, you know, it's, it's, I I know I've heard lots of people say, you know, everyone of a certain political leaning should spend a little time listening to what's on the other side. But it's like, no, because you don't want to give this stuff air. Partially because it's all lies and partially because it can get in your head. But Department of Truth is. X's for eyes, not pentagrams. Sorry, it took me a second. I just remembered they're X's, not (laughs) pentagrams. Pentagrams was the big pentagram on the face of the Satanic Panic figure. Um, But Department of Truth is a book that speaks to this moment in history, I think possibly better than James Tynian and Martin Simmons and Steve Fox, who is the editor on the book, might have thought it would Four months ago, when that first issue dropped, so yes, James Tynion had a very good year.
2: <laughs> um, that 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 that's one of those books that's like, oh, I should be reading this because everybody and their mother says it's good, and I just I, I just haven't yet, even though I've got all the review copies sitting uh, on my computer. Um, uh, Will Nevin, Vishal Golapali, and, and uh, the previously mentioned Forrest have been doing a great job covering that for uh, Comics XF. Uh, so quick plug for that. But uh, let me go with my second pick here. Uh, this one's also uh, creator-based because uh, m- multiple entries. But uh, Gene Lu and Yang, I think, had a phenomenal year this year, uh, putting out two bangers. Uh, one is the collection of Superman slashes the Cl- uh, Smashes the Clan, which came out in singles uh, previously. But uh, that I'm, take- I'm taking it anyway. Uh, and then the other was uh dragon hoops uh which uh i i 'll get to that second um so Superman sl- smashes the clan uh based on loosely on these old uh radio serials from the forties and and you know, it 's it's, it's what it says on the tin it's it 's superman going after a, a neo nazi uh hate group in the um post world War II uh, I think this uh, Chinese American family moves to a uh, suburban metropolis and uh, there's, they're called the clan of the fiery cross in the book, but, you know, it's the KKK for, for all intents and purposes uh, you know, give them a hard time. And, and it's just, it's again, you know, we talk about punching Nazis, never not being satisfying. It's, it's Superman going after uh racist and, and it feels good, sir, because I mean, that's the perfect opportunity to present, you know, that sort of platonic ideal of the platonic ideal of the superhero as being this pure good f- person who has empathy for the, the people around him for vulnerable populations, for children, uh, you know, and, and has no time for, for, for Nazis and skinheads, uh, you know, burnouts and dweezoids. Um wait right, now, now I'm channeling uh, Edie McClurk from uh, Ferris Bueller. But anyway, uh, you know, and he's at the same righteous. time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is a righteous dude. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the same time that all this is going on, he's starting to learn about himself. Remember, this is, this is early days Superman. So within the confines of this book, he doesn't really know his lineage. He knows he has powers. He doesn't know the full extent of his powers. Uh, and he spends a lot of time uh, suppressing some of some aspects of that because he doesn't want people to be afraid of him uh, because he's such a good boy again, but it, it's he's he ends up learning about his Kryptonian heritage throughout the course of this book you know and, and and so you know while the the Lee family and specifically young Roberta Lee you know is is learning to coexist as as a Chinese American, but also uh, an American and, and make friends and, and find her place in society. Uh, Kal-El is, well, first of all, he's learning that his name is actually kal You know, what does it mean to be, you know, an alien in America? Uh, now, you know, and, and, and you can get into the whole thing about, well, he's the ultimate, you know, alien who can pass uh, in society because he's the Ubermensch, but... You know, it's still it's it's very heartwarming. It's very sweet and it's very affecting. Uh, and Guru Hero's art uh, is perfect for that, you know, because it, ultimately it is an all ages book. I, I gave it to my son uh, to read because I, I really thought that he would get a lot out of it and he did enjoy it. Uh, and it's always good when you can kind of share that experience, uh, you know, with your kid. Yeah. You know, because obviously we want, we want to train the next generation of, of comics readers, but, uh, and and the
0: next generation of Nazi punchers
2: and the next generation. (laughs) listen, home, my son is a second degree Brown belt in karate. We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, also from Yang this year was dragon hoops. Um, I have never read a a sports comic, uh, you know. This was this was a first for me. Uh, it basically so Jean uh, Luen Yang. Uh, this is the book is set in two, 2013. Uh, used to teach uh, at a uh, prep uh, preparatory high school uh, in in California, and the basketball team there, uh, uh, boys basketball team, is nas- is nationally ranked. You know they've they've produced powerhouses and but they've never gotten a state championship and so this follows the team the year that they make it to the state championships uh, and you know specifically uh, you know Gene learns why the basketball team is such a huge deal at this school and in the meantime he's teaching us about the history of basketball you know not just the James Naismith stuff that everybody knows but also how basketball uh, ends up being, you know, used by by Russian women and and all these other aspects of society and how it's actually, you know, a sport where the you know the lower class it was an opportunity for lower classes to to find ways to engage with society and to advance and so it talks about the rise of black players in the NBA uh, and, and and stuff like that so you're learning all this as you're following. Uh, these kids and you get to know the kids uh, specifically uh, two of their power uh, powerhouses, uh, Ivan Rob. And of course I forget the other one's name, but uh, uh, it, it turns out uh, apparently in the state championships, the team that they play has uh, a young uh, Ben Simmons who would go on to play for the Sixers uh, and is currently there. Um, And it's just really well-written Uh, I have, uh, you know, a coworker that I'm friends with, who's like, you know, well, he's a sports editor. So obviously he's a big sports fan, but I'm like, here, read this. You know, I I don't often push, uh, push comics on, on non-comics people, but uh, that, that, that time I I made an exception. Um, So yeah, no, Gene Living Lang's incredible. He's going to be doing uh, Batman Superman under the new uh, DC order starting in March. He's got Shang-Chi right now from Marvel and uh yeah man more of that please mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah let's let's move on to third picks
1: okay um <clears throat> i think this is going to be uh safely called a new classic um uh, going with uh hedra by uh, jesse lonergan um
0: uh, previous guest of the show
1: <laughs> <laughs> great show that was that was a great show it is a new classic space opera uh, our new space uh space odyssey um I mean, where do I begin with this? I think it's really what it evokes. Um, you have the strangeness and the beauty of 70s European sci-fi. You know, everything from Fantastic Planet to, you know, the heavy metal Hall of Famers like, you know, Mobius and Kaza and, and Um, Even, like, bits of, like, Tintin. You know, I did uh, recall that in the podcast that he was a big fan of Asterix growing mm-hmm. up, which it makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, the... Uh, on a more personal level the thing i think that evoked strongly to me was um being five years old and my father being a huge progressive rock fan and he would play his records and i you know i would sprawl out with these double gatefold lps opened up of yes and king crimson and genesis and pink floyd a lot of it from uh there's an uh, English art outfit called Hypnosis who did a lot of the art for these albums and just the imagination and everything that the artwork, you know, evoked, it really brought me back to that. I mean, it's not a book that you necessarily, I mean, it's silent for all intents and purposes. So it's not a book that you read. It's an experience. It's something to get lost in. Um, it's something that you know, you're gonna search for patterns. You're gonna trace all these various paths. I mean, it seems like there's almost like a maze on you know, every page. Um, mm-hmm. Very whimsical like cellar cartography, which I love. It almost reminds me of like the old like, George you know, trip to the moon somewhat. Um, the sense of motion that's conveyed. Mm-hmm. Unlike any other comic I think I've ever seen, just that, that multiple panel presentation it almost gave me the feeling again, like of music, of being at a rock concert. You know, it's, this isn't a comic book. This, this is an Asia concert. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have like all these multiple screens that are not necessarily like firing off in sequential order, but are giving you either parts of the story or like a mosaic of the story. And then will convey like a completely different idea. Um, I definitely get with, with that, you know, that, that you, know, you look at a double page spread like this and, all of a sudden, you know, there's something that pops up on the bottom of the page that completely changes the tone of everything. And then you have, you know, the wonderful montage of you know traveling planet to planet, like literally like bouncing off, which it really conjures something um, ominous and alien. I mean, and that's like really going back to the monolith in 2001 or Jeff Bridges' uh, the little spheres from Starman. Mm-hmm. It's just something like unidentifiably like alien to that and just just bringing that all together it's just it's just a wonderful rarefied experience I mean I, I really kind of yearn for space to be weird again in mm-hmm. comics I mean everything you know I mean there's nothing wrong with allegory and there's nothing wrong with character study you know but just, just having that strangeness is it was just very wonderful very one-of-a-kind very special and and this is an all-timer for me, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, we're coming back in uh, nine years to do our uh, best of the decade, and this is going to be a very strong contender, I think.
2: It's a, a bold statement, but but true. It's, it's it's this great standalone thing. You know, I read it digitally, but I would love to track down the the oversized uh, physical copy, uh, which I think was originally printed on Newsprint, and just
1: like uh, it, it is in those 35-panel grids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I paid a little pretty penny for uh, the first printing of it, but it's it, worth it just to have. I mean, and again, it's not something you just sit there and read. It, it's, you know, you lay down and have it in front of you, opened up. Um, very similar to Silver Surfer Black, like that Trad Moore artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just to take that all in. Oh,
2: it's, it's definitely a thing to be studied. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, oh, you want to talk about, like, you know, learning more about the art of a comic versus the writing. I think that's, that's a book to do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know it's it's because you're talking about simple arrangement no simple's not the right you're talking about simple colors and shapes yeah but complex arrangements and 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 the way that they're used to tell a story worthlessly and i think like what you mentioned like the scene where she's bouncing from
1: planet to planet that's a perfect example and i don't think nonergan is like necessarily trying to convey a very particular idea it's what you are actually taking from it, how you feel about it. And that's, 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 that's it's, it's a tricky maneuver, but it works perfectly here. No, certainly. I, I tell you, what,
2: speaking of Lonergan, one of my favorite things, not, 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 not a book, but like things that I purchased for myself this year is, uh, off his t Public store, he did this, uh, I bought it on a travel mug, but you could get it in multiple ways, but it's just this spread of like 50 years of pop culture characters. Mm. From like Alex the Droog to Alf to Cyclops to Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and it's it's fantastic. And I look at it like every time I have it, and it's just like, oh, there's someone new. I think I actually found Waldo. <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Matt, what's your next pick?
0: Uh, okay, so my final pick is and I'm again sort of stretching things here, is not an individual book, but a a sort of sea change in the way we are dealing with comics. And that is the mainstreaming of Kickstarter. We came into this year, nobody saw this frigging year coming. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody saw the industry shutting down for nearly two months or my month and a half, month and a half, two it, was months, about, it was about
2: two months. on the, Yeah, it was about two months.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I think creators realized that they so that if they were going to still be working, they were going to have to find different ways to go about it. And, and Kickstarter's been around for years now and people have been doing it. And, but this year, not only did we see. Some bigger name creators start to put stuff out through Kickstarter. But we just saw a massive infusion of Kickstarters. Uh, I went and looked and I backed on average of three comics Kickstarters a month this year. Wow. And it, I mean, it's stuff that varies wildly between uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Dave Johnston's crazy spies in a uh, Cola Wars book pop kill (laughs) uh, to uh, something like uh, the fourth volume of Fernando Ruiz and Dan parents die, kitty die, which have all been kickstarters uh, to the comic book history of animation from uh, Fred Van Lentie and Ryan Dunlavey, uh, up to the sort of the big one of the year, uh, Scott, Snyder's, Scott Snyder's Noctera, mm-hmm. or Saladin Ahmed and Dave Acosta's Dragon. I've backed stuff all across the spectrum. And we've been fortunate to get a bunch of guests who wanted to talk about their Kickstarters. Uh the aforementioned Scott Snyder being one of them. Uh yeah. Ed, Ed Brisson, who came to talk about his new uh murder book graphic novel. Uh we've gotten we've had oh uh, David Pepos, who was just on and spent time talking about the O Z. Uh Liana we, Kangas. Liana Kangas, absolutely. Uh uh Zach Quintan for uh Nestor. Yeah. Next
2: Door. yeah.
0: We've had a lot of luck talking to a lot of really interesting people about their, uh, kickstarters. And I think it's only going to continue to expand. We've seen the beginning of people finding different ways to get out there and to develop new communities. And I think we're only going to see more.
2: Uh, listen, once Keanu Reeves does it, that, that opens the door, (laughs) right? Um, No, Kickstarter actually, uh, they had in October, they reported this, their biggest year for comic projects backed. Um, So I I just, in in a year where the industry was on pause, the year, you know, and all that uncertainty about what publishers were going to do, a lot of them were slow to to accept new projects, to, you know, release books that they had already announced. It it was a good way for creators to keep working, to to get their stuff out there and just go right to the fans, eliminate the middleman. You know, it, it, it's like when when music in the two thousands just started going uh, more independent, and you saw fewer record label contracts. You know, it, it's it's the same thing, but a different medium. And uh, yeah, we would not have had Scott Snyder on this show if he didn't have a Kickstarter <laughs> promo. That's just truth. If he were just right, if, if he were just trying to talk to him about death metal, no, that 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 wouldn't have happened. But you know, we ended up having a, a great conversation with him. Um, you know and a lot of our other uh kickstarter guests and 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 speaking of liana kangas i read her kickstarter true cult today the first issue it's fantastic i cannot wait to read the rest of it so shout out to those guys um yeah good year for kickstarter um all right so that that brings it back to me and now i'm gonna do the obvious thing uh ten of swords guys that was so good <laughs> I I mean it's it it's it's very hard to say that an X book missed the mark in the past year unless it was Fallen Angels, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what are you going to do when you don't put lobsters in your book, um, but but no uh, you know twenty two I won't say it was a twenty two uh, a perfect twenty two chapters, but uh, you know it was this event that ended up being about the best parts of a lot of X-Men comics, which is the character work. And so you get, you know, like uh, I'm thinking about like Vita Ayala's uh, chapter where Storm goes to Wakanda to get that sword. And it's about her relationship with the kingdom that she used to rule as its queen. You know, that's fantastic. Look at all the work they did with Doug Ramsey and and Mm Ilyana teaching him how to fight in New Mutants. And then he ends up getting married to to, to (laughs) Bay the Blood Moon. Like it's, it's crazy. You know, it was, it wasn't even about the sword fights, Um, you know, mostly because like there, I think there was all of one sword fight (laughs) and it was just to move Captain Britain off the table. Um, You know uh, of course, there was the crocodile monster whom we all now love. uh, Although he just, that just turned out to be a, a, I guess, a croco (laughs) mech. Yeah. Uh, Pogger Pog, pog, we love him. just there was it, it definitely was a visual feast um you know yeah ha- pepe laraz you know obviously should draw every x-men book uh, forever with Marte gracia covering him uh Mahmoud azrar you know doing phenomenal work phil noto doing phenomenal work um you know the the writing staff uh if this were just another jonathan hickman fest like like house of x and powers of 10 i don't think it would have the same atmosphere i, I think he did a very smart thing uh, by by bringing in Tini Howard and, and letting her have a lot of the reins and bring, building off a lot of the stuff that was in Excalibur with with Saturnine and, and Otherworld because uh, you know what what a rich you saw how deep they got with those data pages explaining all the different mm-hmm. realms and the, the the fair and foul courts and, and we got so much of that classic Captain Britain mythology back that I didn't even know I missed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Mad Jim Jaspers. Okay, fantastic. More of that. (laughs) Let's go back to the crooked market again. I I want to go to
1: there. (laughs) Jamie Braddock, boy, he's really become uh, kind of a standout. Yeah, mother tickling gifts. <laughs> yeah, like the relationship between him and sister uh, sinister now. Yeah, like who who's the
2: who's the queen bitch X villain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Helli- Hellions of all the books, the, Hell- the Hellions probably had the least to do of the crossover, but it was still some of the best stuff. They stole a pony <laughs> and got murdered brutally. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no sin that 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 became one of my favorite books uh very quickly um yeah just lots of lots of phenomenal work lots of phenomenal moments and you know set up for for tons of storylines going forward so yeah props to, props to props to ten of swords but let's we're in the future now
1: mm-hmm.
2: Let, let's move into the future um you know what are what are some things that what are three things that you're looking forward to in 2021 matt why don't you set the table here
0: okay uh let's start with uh a book that issue one hit this year but since the lion's share of it is going to be coming out in 2021 Uh, We're going to talk about the other history of the DC universe. Mm -hmm. John Ridley and Giuseppe Cummincoli's retelling of the history of the DCU from uh, BIPOC and LGBT characters. Uh, The first issue which came out out this past year uh, focused on Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning. It is it's one of those comics that reads like a meal. This is not a book where, I mean, it's text with illustration. So it's not, you know, traditional graphic storytelling, but it is a book where I looked at it and it was like, yeah, so I'm not going to try to start this in the evening. I'm going to start, well, I'm going to wake up Sunday morning, sit down and read this book. (laughs) <laughs> and not do anything else because I'm gonna have to focus on reading this book.
2: It took me two sittings, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's, I, if you look at it and you're a big old DC history nerd like I am, you recognize a lot of the panels referenced, a lot of what they're doing, but it's retelling things from a perspective that we've never seen. And uh, issue two two which is i believe due out this month or is it next month within the next two months one of those uh, focuses on bumblebee and mal duncan in any of his myriad of identities <laughs> uh issue 3 which I be- it must be this month cuz i believe issue 3 has been solicited in march cuz it's bi monthly uh is uh, katana so we are, we've got leads of color, we've got queer leads, we have female leads. These are the perspectives that have, for so many years, been marginalized in superhero comics. And we are getting a phenomenal book from an, a writer like Ridley, who, I mean, d- the dude's an accomplished writer to begin with. And his American Way is something that should have gotten more attention than it did when it came out. And hopefully we'll get a little more attention now, uh, especially with him writing the next Batman, which will be coming out this week as we are recording. Uh, this is going to be a, a book that is going to be on the shelves next to things like Dark Knight and Watchmen. I think DC is positioning it that way. And I think that's a good move.
2: Yeah. Definitely. All right. So we're going to do this differently. I think each of us can just burn through ours oh, in one sure. fell swoop. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Then second, I have uh, – Vault Comics has had – has done a lot of great stuff. Uh, this has had a really good year with uh, – I'm now reading way more Vault than I realized I was Aren't when I started all, looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm between the autumnal uh, – I walk with, with monsters and – and especially uh, the picture of everything else, uh, which I just reviewed with Ari Bard over on Comics XF. Um, not to mention, I have sitting on the top of my trade pile to read both The, uh, the Savage Shores and Heist, um, uh, which I can't wait to do. But they are moving into the realm of all ages comics, which you know I, I'm a big supporter of, uh, with their Myriad imprint.
2: Oh, shoot. Are they still calling it that? I thought they changed it to Wonderbound.
0: Yes, Wonderbound. You are correct. They did change it to Wonderbound. I was trying to find the details, and I guess the article I found was the old name, but yes, you are correct. Uh, very specifically, uh, Rassle Castle from Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover, which is fantasy all ages wrestling, <laughs> which I, I put out there. And when it comes out in September, uh, if all goes according to plan, you will get a uh, dueling review from, from me and Charlie Davis, which oh, I'm fantastic. very excited to do. I, I said it to him on Twitter. I was like, Hey, Charlie, this book's coming out. You in right on, uh, And finally, uh, swinging back to DC, because it is my love, uh, but also my love of anthologies. Uh, DC's launching two anthology titles out of uh, Infinite Frontier, uh, Superman Red and Blue and uh, Batman Urban Legends. I can't wait for a a crazy Batman anthology book. I'm hoping we get all (laughs) sorts of creators who aren't, getting you know regular bat books to be writing about characters they want to write about. I mean, we're going to get some I mean, we got Stephanie Phillips doing Harley and Ivy. That'll be tying in, leading into her uh, run on the book. Uh, Matt, Matthew Rosenberg following up on Grifter. Uh, but we've also got Chip Zdarsky doing uh, Red Hood, which seems neat. I'm hoping that we see some of the other backups from Future State I'm hoping uh, Vita Ayala gets a chance for them to do a uh, a Batgirls thing in there. Uh, I think there's so many characters in the Bat Mythos that are interesting, and an anthology will give us a chance to spend some time spotlighting some of the ones that don't get a lot of time in the sun. Yes, Batman Urban Legends.
2: (laughs) All right. Um, So I've got, I got a few things. Uh, first of all, the thing I'm probably most excited about in your term is uh, Marvel is doing a uh, Beta Ray Bill five-issue mini uh, written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, all, all the elements are there, man. Okay, so first of all, I've loved Daniel Warren Johnson's Murder Falcon. Uh, he just, he does two things well. He draws... People wailing on giant monsters, well, and <laughs> and he does uh, emotional depth, and and characters struggling with with depression to get to hope, and 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 self discovery really well. He did it in *Murder Falcon* and it was rad as hell. He did it in *Wonder Woman: Dead Earth* and that is definitely my favorite Wonder Woman story. Uh, and now he's going to do it with uh, that very good Walt Simonson *Horse Boy*. Uh, and in the first issue, who's he fighting? Finn. Bang! Fucking bang. Ah! yes! Put the horse in his pants. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's gonna be good. I've already volunteered to uh, review it for Comics XF. We'll see if it happens. <laughs> um, got uh, some stuff going on there. Uh, let's. Uh, the other thing, uh, and and again, this is gonna be one of the obvious choices. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier. They are doing a sequel to Undone by Blood. Uh, this one uh, is going to be set in the 1930s uh, during the depression uh, with uh, a guy who's sort of, you know, who's down on his luck. Uh, you know, all, all he's got is, is uh, a gun and more of those solemn novels and he's going to try and rob a skyscraper. Uh, so it, this one's going to be a heist and it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, and, and then, you know, smaller, I hope these things come back. I have no knowledge that they are. It would be nice if they did, you know, it'd be nice to see saga again. It would be nice to see farmhand again. I know Rob Guillory had to take a little bit of a break there to, pre- to for self care. I, I, you know, I hope he gets all the time that he needs.
0: I, I, you know, I, I'm looking no, forward
2: to the back half of that book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see, and I don't know with various contentious issues with the artist on the book, but I'd love to see some more Southern Bastards. I want Jason Aaron at least to finish up that book.
2: Cause... You don't need Jason Latour. You can find no. someone else and move on.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that that was a great book, and it left us on a cliffhanger. And I'd love to see I'd love to see that one come back. <sighs>
2: Like, just like ALF. Yes.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and then, but my big thing, uh, you know, and, and and this isn't something that I want to rush. If it doesn't happen this year, it doesn't happen this year because the important thing is is that everything is, is, everyone is vaccinated and everything is safe. I need my cons back. You know what I mean? Like, there were, we didn't go to any shows last year. That's nuts. You know, I, I just, i You know, and 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 listen with good reason, with absolute good reason. But you know, I I definitely miss the experience of of you know watching Rob Dollar Bin dive and see the treasures (laughs) that he pulls out. You know, uh, trolling
1: poor Fabian. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, buying a buying Simon Bisley a beer, uh, you know, running into friends I'd otherwise only know from the internet, uh. You know, right now, C2E2, Emerald City, they're talking about December. I mean, it's it, honestly, it's good to just kind of wait on those things for the end of the year. But, you know, let's see where we're at in the summer. Let's see where we're at. If we get, you know, what does 70% of a vaccinated America look like? What does it allow for? You know, we'll, we'll find out. You know, just in the meantime, everybody, don't do anything fucking stupid. <laughs> not, not you too. I'm talking to America as a whole. It's not listening to this podcast, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's Dan's soapbox. I guess <laughs> Got a little political there for a second. Um,
1: Rob, how about you? Look, I like to keep my expectations low, you know, that way it, it, you don't get disappointed so much. So mm-hmm. I'm always on the lookout for the shock of the new. And I think every year you're always going to get something that you did not see coming. I mean, I'm, I kind of await, what is the hedra the hydra? of 21 going to be? What is the mm-hmm. thing that you did not see coming? Um, that said, I mean, you know, the fallout from uh, the Sword of X's is really been like fertile ground for some really, really, really good stuff. I mean, sword was really good. Oh, yeah, um, so good. S- most specifically, I love what Vida Alala is doing with new mutants right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole idea of, you know, traditionally they've always been led by a single man. It's always been Xavier or Magneto or Cable. And now you have a group, you know, formerly New Mutants that are now veteran X-Men are taking this up. And the idea is that they're going to teach them as a team and teach them synergies, how to actually coordinate their powers and pair them up, you know, accordingly. I think it's brilliant, really, brilliant stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I love that we're, you know, using Danny and Sean and Warlock and Jimmy, you know, <laughs> great old timer characters. Mm-hmm. Um, really great stuff. I mean, it's really a good time to be, you know, an old school X-Men fan and somebody who's, you know, possibly jumping on for the first time. Um, With Marvel, I'm I'm cautiously curious about uh, how they're going to do Alien now. Um, Yeah. I know we saw the announcement. I'm on board tentatively. Um, I think there's definitely a lot more room to do more all tour based work, kind of like what we saw from Dark Horse in the later 90s um you now something that uh i kind of spitballed with dan is for april 26th possibly uh wmq alien maybe doing uh some kind of roundtable or you know something comes to that i think that has the potential to be a great show um you stole my thunder with uh beta ray bill that's definitely something <laughs> i am looking forward to um something a little bit more recent and sad uh when we lost uh, Richard Corbin I would like to see some more of his classic work you know the heavy metal stuff like Den has been pretty well spoken for but some of his work for Warren and and some of the anthologies and everything I would love to see that brought back into print and you know it's proper context you know give us a good omnibus or you know something respectful Mm -hmm. and then just you know for for everybody out there everybody listening and you know all of us who made it through this year and God, how many months were in this year I anyway? Mean, was this like 16, 17 months? <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a smart in there. <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, we, we, we made it out of this, you know, with our health and everything intact, you know, just we have the fortitude to just do round two and get through this again. And, hopefully see the end of this. I mean, there's nothing more than I, I want to go to a con. I want to dig into those dollar bins. I want to haggle for those wall books. I want to slap a few backs. You know, I, I I miss that dearly, but I mean, more than anything, I just want to see everybody do well. And yeah, I think that's, that's my big priority, but I am looking forward to the year. I'm looking forward to better days. I think we all deserve it. man. I think that is the
2: perfect note to end on. Uh yeah, better better days for us all. Um guys, we did it. Three amigos riding Majestic once more across <laughs> the fields, uh swords in hand. Um thanks everybody. <laughs> That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQA is now part of Comics XF, formerly Xavier Files meaning you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom and Chris's On Infinite Earths, and a ton of great comics criticism at ComicsXF.com. You can listen to wmq on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at ComicsXF.com where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQNA at Patreon.com slash WMQComics where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt Lazowitz. Built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation get you a free random comic in the mail for my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club Podcast, Robert secundus from Toxman at comicsxf.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel Spider Woman series, and Lan M from Lands Vids. You can follow WMQNA on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF XF at ComicsXF. And until next week, Remember to spay and neuter, your good night, and good luck. W